MSW Media. How's it? It's Neil Everett from ESPN. You're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. And what we're not drinking is White Claw, no matter what you may have heard. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. This is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I am Dan Dunn, and this is what we're drinking. And today, what we're drinking is wild turkey bourbon. And uh, we got a really special day coming up in just a little bit. One, Mr. Matthew McConaughey, uh, who works with Wild Turkey, and also Eddie Russell, who makes Wild Turkey, one of the premier master distillers the world has ever known. Speaking of premier, the gentleman sitting with me right now, uh, he needs no introduction, but I'll give it to you anyway because you can't see him. His name's Neil Everett. He is an anchor on ESPN's Sports Center. And Neil, how are you, buddy? Listen, I get to be the opening act for Matthew McConaughey and Eddie Russell. This is a big day for me. You know? <laughs> this is I, this yeah. might be the culmination of your career. It's kind of like having Pet Shop Boys open for the Beatles, but still, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm glad to be here. <laughs> it's good to have you, man. And, and by the way, when we say here, I want to set the scene for you. We are at a place called the Jefferson, which is down in the West Adams neighborhood of Los Angeles. Why we're here is we're doing some volunteer work putting together uh, some some meals to send out. Uh, you might have heard we've got some fires raging here in California, all over the state, and uh, we are putting together some meals, sending them out, taking them to firehouses. Uh, we got a whole slew of people here. Uh, Operation Barbecue is the group. They do this all over the country. They do it for first responders. They do it for the military and, Neil, that made me think of it. You're involved in a lot of these kind of causes as well, and you work with a military charity. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, first, unfortunately, fire has become our fifth season here in, in, in California, and, and we all talk about the, the people that have been displaced and, and sometimes lost in that are, are, are the, the responders that are, that are fighting those fires 24-7 and, and helping people evacuate and all that. Uh, my side of the coin is a little different. I'm involved with a, an organization called Heroes Movement, and what we do is we partner with gyms across the country. I think we're in 23 states right now, and what we do is we offer a, a physical conditioning, a personal training to veterans whose benefits may have run out at the VA, uh, and we've got a, a, a program that uh, specifically deals with post-traumatic stress syndrome and uh, traumatic brain injury, and, and we partner with the gyms we pay the gyms the vets work out for free uh we're a total grinder organization you, you know you came to our biggest benefit we're 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 we're, 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 we're honestly struggling to keep it going but it, but it's a it's a labor of love so we keep laboring because uh you know the vets are are, are a group that's uh uh, been disenfranchised throughout no fault of their own and well, that's uh, we, the amazing we got to take care it. of our own that's the amazing thing about it and uh, you know Maybe it sounds trite sometimes, but people do need to be reminded 
in our comfortable lives that there are people every day who get up and literally risk their lives to make sure that we do have safe and comfortable lives. And a lot of times, like you said, especially in the case of the military, when they get back, that's kind of the end. Like, you know, the service ends, and that's the time when they, when they need us. And so often, they, they don't get the help that they need. Yeah, I mean, who can, who can relate to what a soldier who's seen battle is going through? Only a soldier can relate to yeah. that. We yeah. can say, hey, I watched Apocalypse Now last night. Okay, a great movie, but still, it still was a movie. And, it, and it, can you imagine, that's a real, that was a reality in Vietnam. And the realities of you know Iraq and Afghanistan and, and these type of things. I mean, I, I can't even have dreams about, about that. I'd wake up in a cold sweat. And, and so many men and women have lived this. And so... Uh, you know, it just seems like a, a, a little bit giving back any, uh, and hopefully it, it helps a lot. But you know, it's it's a it, it's just unfathomable what uh, what war can do to a man and woman's psyche. Well, and you know, you mentioned this event. Uh, Neil's Neil's organization did a thing down in uh, in Santa Monica, and we went to that. And I got I got to meet and talk to a lot of the vets that were there. And what's amazing is, you know, missing limbs and, and, and not to mention all the psychological damage. But what's amazing is the spirit, man. And, yeah. I, and I think that must be because... <laughs> the human spirit's remarkable, man. Because I guess I, I, the one guy said to me, I don't remember his name, but I, I, I said, man, I, I don't know how you do it. Like, he was missing his leg. And, and he said, look, if you've been where I've been, and now you're sitting here on the beach in Santa Monica looking out at the ocean and you got a great group of people he goes have you been where I've been and you're here now he goes every day is gravy for me man he said I, I never imagined I'd be back especially when I got hurt but that said we still need to we still need to help these people we still need to say thank you to them and, and, and that I don't think any veteran should ever have to go without health care or should ever have to you know because I don't know of a bigger sacrifice than, than, than that, than going over there and laying your life on the line. Yeah, there's, listen, there's no shortage of causes. And I think what's important is, as responsible citizens of planet Earth is that you give back in some way, if you can, in any way. And we all choose causes. And today, you know, we've got the firefighters and, and, and that's in the news right now. And the veterans are always going to be there. Listen, you and I are both, you know, dog shelter guys. And, and you know, I've got a foster daughter, you know, and, uh, you know, who didn't have it, didn't, didn't really have any chances until later in life. And, and I, I just think it's about when you lay your head on the pillow and when you take your last breath, you need to ask yourself, you know, what did you do? What did you really do? You know, you did a podcast. You did Sports Center. Yeah, no. Listen, that that that's great. That that fills your day. But what really fills your soul? What fills your heart? And it's events like this, and it's heroes movement, and those type of things that I think uh, those are where you get the bonus points. I went to an event last week. Uh, I think I might have told you you were working, but it was a it was a benefit for Pat called Pints for Pat for Pat Tillman. They did a whole video about Pat Tillman and. That's a remarkable story. Oh. Here's a guy that was uh, an NFL star. Yeah. And 9-11 happened, and the guy said, fuck this. Yeah. I'm going. I'm suiting up for a different team. And and cost him his life. Yeah. And uh, But to see that kind of thing, and it really does, it really does make you realize 
that the things that Neil just touched on, like your job and whatever you're doing and where you're going to dinner and getting on your social media and all that, at the end of the day, yes, those are the things that make up a life. But what really matters, I think, at the end is to go, yeah, I did something. I did something for somebody else. Because that's the thing. We walk around. And the other thing they do here, too, it's not just first week. They also feed the homeless. And we know in Los Angeles, oh. and you know, you work downtown Los Angeles. Yeah. It's, it's a it's it's tragedy. a tragedy of, of, of a scale that unless you live in a place like this, you get it, is, it's unthinkable yeah. that there are this many people living on the street. And it doesn't take much. It really doesn't take much. And that's why I want to ask you, how do people... Uh, get involved with 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 yours first of all the homelessness is spreading like a rash i mean san francisco portland seattle san diego up and down the west coast and and i can't speak to other areas because those aren't the areas that i frequently visit heroesmovement.org it's that simple uh and it's h-e-r-e-o-s hyphen movement.org uh we've got a uh, kind of a, we'll tell you what it's about when you go on there. If you hit the play button, and, and there's places that you can donate, and uh, you know if there's something you can do, do it. And if it's not Heroes Movement, make it something because uh, that's that's our responsibility as uh, as participants in this game of life is to give what we can give to those that don't have what we have. And you know what? Maybe if you donate a ton of money, Neil will give you a shout out on. There Sports you go. Center. There you go. You got it. You know. There you go. Bartender Jack. No, bartender Wild Turkey. <laughs> yes. There you right. go. And by the way, that's a good good segue here. We do have some Wild Turkey in front of us, and I should tell you that Neil is on his way later today to go to the ponies. Yeah. Right? Uh, at, down at uh, Santa, Santa Anita. Anita. Yep. And uh, will you be will you be partaking of some uh, whiskey out there? Yes, I will. But uh, you know what? And because uh, uh, Eddie and uh, the Wild Turkey crew, what they're doing. Uh, when I hit bourbon today, I've only got one bourbon in mind, and it's Wild Turkey. We got the 101 in front. We got the Long Branch in front. What? Forget brands aside. What's your go-to drink? And I, and and full disclosure, Neil and I have tipped a few back in our yeah. day. But what is your go-to cocktail? Ooh. Or wow. spirit, or spirit. I mean, well, you, you know, listen. I, I, you know, I'm a I'm a Hefeweizen. I, I love Hefeweizen beer. Uh, I drink drink red wine. The darker, the better. Um, I was into Azunia tequila because my friend owned that, but he sold it, so I don't feel as responsible to, ha- to have to drink that. <laughs> I, dr- I drank Myers rum and, and club soda forever with a splash of Coke. Uh, I thought it was the greatest drink in the world until I met a rum guy who said Myers rum is, is not that great <laughs> of a kinda, rum. Yeah, it's not the best. But uh, I thought it was God's gift to rum. Um, you know, these White Claws things are sweeping the nation now, and they, they, they've run into my house. A, a few. Should I edit this part out? This, uh, I'll be... I, Neil, I, I feel like there's a certain image you want to project. Uh, I know. Are you sure well, you want to keep this Listen, in? I'm a married man, so, you know, I drink what's in the fridge. And, uh, and like, it makes it sound like, what's all this guy do, drink? Hey, you know, he just you know, Dan asked him what's one favorite drink. He just rolled off eight of them, and I didn't even get to the wild turkey yet, which we're gonna get to here shortly. Neil and I, for for many years, I don't know many years, but Neil would tell me about this bar in in 
I guess it's Venice, right? That I was convinced did not exist. Have you found it yet? What's it called? The Rat Pack. Rat Pack. Yeah, no, I, I finally... But in the beginning, Neil would say, yeah, it's right at, It's right on Washington Boulevard across the street from this place. You know, it's, and I said, it's not there, man. There's no bar. It looks like Dean and Frank hung out there. Yeah, no, but it's there. It exists. <laughs> you and I have not <laughs> no. had drinks there, but uh, but we will one of these days. So, uh, so Neil, in, in closing, because yes. you are the opening act today, and yeah. I don't, you know, I don't want to, you know, we do have Matthew yeah, waiting listen. in the wings Absolutely. Uh, to come on here. Hey, Matt, just, hey, hold on, okay? <laughs> just wait. All right, pal, I'm not done yet. But he's a big sports guy, too. He's yeah. done a lot of stuff with ESPN. Oh, yeah. yeah. You you do a lot of these celebrity uh, the interviews. Yeah. Uh, do you find when these guys come on, they tend to be genuine sports fans, or you get some that are just like, they're just there for the promo. No, like, well, no, like look at Jeff Bridges, not a genuine sports fan, but he's just genuine Jeff Bridges. Sure. I mean, he was, you know, he was the dude. Yeah. And so that was cool. Denzel Washington comes on. I mean, he's a huge Lakers fan. Yeah. So he's legit. Michael Keaton came on, talked to me for 49 minutes. Okay, you know, we're going to run like three minutes on TV. We ended up running like eight because he was so good. But, I mean, he's a huge Pittsburgh, all things Fan. Pittsburgh. Yeah. So, you know, you get you get these guys to come on. And, you know, listen, any any people like to talk about themselves if they're asked the right questions. Yeah. And uh, and so, you know, you know a little bit about these guys. And, yeah, you got to talk about the movie and all that. But, but then you get into, you know... Um, you know things outside the movie realm and and they're impressed if you know that you know hey hey so your brother Bo Bridges played for John Wooden hey how'd you know that man you know so yeah, that's cool and I, and those those are fun because you know you, you can only do so many LeBron highlights that's and right. uh, and so those are fun to do and I, I hope they're well received quick uh, quick Michael Keaton story for you many years ago I was on a plane to New York City from LA and Michael Keaton sat next to me we had a we had a few cocktails on that plane ride. We had an amazing time. By the time he was going to New York to see his son's band, his band son's band was playing at CBGB. The yeah, his son writes writes music and yeah. has written uh, like a country music uh, big hit. I can't think of it though. I don't know this. Yes. back then it was more of a prog rock band. Yeah, but they were playing CBGB, the late great yeah, venue, musical venue oh, yeah. in New York City. So we get to New York and Michael Keaton is exactly the way Michael Keaton seems, right? He's, he, he's got this unbounded enthusiasm energy, yeah. and energy. He's like Mr. Mom. He's like yeah. he's like Billy Blaze. Yeah, yeah. So he's that guy. So we get to New York and he says, uh, you know, uh, you, you got, I'll give you a ride into the city, which he did. And then he said, you got to come tonight. You got to come see my, my son's band. And I says, okay, I'll come. I'm meeting some friends for dinner, but I'll come. He says, promise? I said, yeah, no, I promise. You're Michael Keaton. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to extract a promise from me. So so I I go to dinner with some, some friends of mine, and I do not tell them that it's Michael Keaton, but I said, let's go to CBGB. I've got a friend over there. Let's go. And uh, we get there, and we walk in, and you couldn't have scripted it better. He's standing at the bar about to order drinks and he sees us we walk in and his eyes go you just imagine the eyes go wide he like it's like ah like i feel like i've seen this face in so many movies this, the expression on his face and he says go go come over we come over and he says hey i'm michael and he's introducing everybody and they're all like they're just and he says what do you want to drink what do you want you want this and they go around and they order the drinks and he goes around and he, okay jack and coke this is this or sorry wild turkey you know yeah. and and then he gets it and he turns to get the drinks and my one friend leans into me and Rear whispers, and she says, "He's Batman." 
<laughs> he is. And he is Batman. Yeah. So Michael Keaton, uh, one of our favorites, yes. that's for sure. Uh, Neil Everett, also one of my personal favorites, even though you drink White Claw. I'm not going to hold that against you. Man. I know. I, can we edit that out? Don't be photographed with that, whatever you do, man. Um, Philly Dan Dunn, one of my favorites, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me, brother. Yeah, man. Good to have you, Neil. And we're coming right back at you in a minute with uh, Matthew McConaughey. To realize that all your life, not all your love, all your hate, all your memory, all your pain, it was all the same thing. It was all the same dream, a dream that you had inside a locked room. A dream about being a person. So I'm here with Matthew McConaughey. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. Good. It's good to yeah, see you, man. man. It's good to see you. Uh, we just were talking with Neil Everett earlier about op- our Operation Barbecue Relief yep. and what we're doing here. And one of the things I wanted to tell you, uh, Neil and I were really stressing about how important these sorts of things are. I was raised by a firefighter. My stepfather, who my mom met when I was about eight years old, was a captain in the Philadelphia Fire Department, 32 years, died in the line of duty. Huh. August 20th, 2004, uh, 32 years on the job. Uh, and I remember when that happened, everybody coming over all the time and people just coming and, and bringing food and you to know, the you're, house. you're in, yeah. And you're in yeah. shock, you know, and, and I don't know at the time I probably didn't realize what that meant to me, but yeah. that is kind of on a, on a micro level. Yeah. That's what's happening here yeah. because there are people that go out every day and put their lives on the line and you never think it's going to happen, but it does. Yeah. And when it does, they need people, they need help. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of things, the ways to help. One of the things that we're doing and partnering with Operation Barbecue and what they do is they're feeding these people on the front lines. People like your dad, they're feeding the displaced families that are having to flee from their houses because of the fires. You know, I said it earlier, we, we myself and Wild Turkey each year, we go thank first responders. You know, we went to Houston, thank them. We've, uh, we, last year, we've, we go places and we thank people. And our plan was to come here and thank people on the front line for the Woolsey fires. Yeah. But Mother we have a, Mother ideas. Nature said it's the season again and it's live. So we, instead of saying thank you, we're here to try and help out as much as we can. So to put a hot meal in front of, in front of them. Uh, when they get back to give them something to put in the freezer to have when they're hungry later because you know how long this goes on yeah. you know it's not done tonight it's probably not done tomorrow you know what I mean it kind of feels like we're perpetually in fire season now in California well, I've, you know I heard that I've heard this three times today of people throwing that phrase out there yeah it's a season well and I'm like you'll just say it like fait accompli like that like that's it you just expect it it's I mean how often can this place get pounded I mean and you know but but Californians do it think they you know, I've lived in Malibu. The fires, we got mudslides, everything else. You got earthquakes. People rebuild, and yeah. you just and you do it. But damn, man, it's like, yeah, good Mother Nature give you a break. It'd be nice. It would be nice. And you know what they're doing here, and and just to set the scene, so Matthew Wild Turkey. Matthew's been with Wild Turkey since 2016. You are the creative director at Wild Turkey. Our, our good friend Eddie Russell is here, and I've got an interview with Eddie that we already did uh, that we're going to play later in the show. 
Wild Turkey is very involved, as Matthew said, with, as I think, you know what, most of the big uh, spirits brands really do. I find more than, you know, maybe some other industries, they really like to give back. And, right. they, and, and I think part of that, too, is, you know, this is in Kentucky, right? Like, yeah. it, you want, like there's this realness to it, I think. And, and that's probably, I was wondering about what drew you to Wild Turkey in the right. first place. Well, their authenticity, the fact that, you know, they have never changed their game plan from day one, even when, through, you know, prohibition and when bourbon was was not a really a hot spirit. And when it was a white spirit decade, you know, they they stayed in Jimmy Russell, Eddie's dad, of the, the Buddha of bourbon. 65 years. 65 years. And he, I, said, I said, how long are you going to do this? And he, I'm at the distillery with him. I said, how long are you going to do this? He goes, I'm going to keep walking in until I can't walk out. That's um, so they have they have stayed the same they have been you know real bourbon from day one so now bourbon comes back people are not wanting light bourbon anymore people want real bourbon and here's wild turkey so i came on board to help reintroduce to people that knew wild turkey and say hey here we are but also introduce to a, a new generation that may not know wild turkey so we you know they also their values align with mine so where the way I think naturally and the messaging I, I want to get across the man I want to be is very similar to who they are as people. So that made our working relationship easier and also said, hey, you know, I can get behind you. You can get behind me. There's a symbiosis here. Let's work this out. And so then I came on board. I had read a, a piece that talked about your, your, your the, the, the commercials that you do for Lincoln as well. And the difference was when, when, when you were approached about this was that was like no no i'm not just going to be a spokesperson here. no I, I i want this is in my blood i feel this and you have a connection your your parents would they meet in Louisville, in kentucky or they got so i've got kentucky? a i've got a uh, um you know when when eddie and i came together and made my favorite juice uh the wild turkey product called long branch here uh, which took us two years to to, to make, but those Eddie, were fun. Eddie jokes years. around and says every time that you give an interview about this, the number of times you had to sample it. It started at forty four, it's eighty eight, now it's up to about <laughs> one hundred twelve. And, and just so you, just so you guys know, what what Long Branch is is it's a bourbon. Can I say this? You Go for it. All right. So Long Branch is a bourbon made by Eddie in conjunction with Matthew. And they wanted to have a connection between Texas, Texas and, Kentucky. and Kentucky. And the branch was going to extend from Texas and Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And what, what they came up with was to uh, do a, a filtration through mesquite, mesquite. charcoal, mesquite which, charcoal. Is, which is a Texas thing. Mm-hmm. And when you think Texas barbecue, you think that. And what it's done, and I have some in front of me right now. And, of course, I'll be the only one drinking. Unless you want to toast there. Here we go. Um, Take a sip of this. You know, if you get a you chance get to toast. Back, yeah, oh, it, here's the thing. This is what I... Mm, this is what I love about it. It's a very, and there's a very delicate balance when you are making a spirit, right? Because when you get that smoke on there, he had to be real careful that we didn't go into in the barbecue Isla, or, or into Isla Malt, like Scotch yes. smoky. It's, it's got this really perfect, I think, balance. And I, I mean this. This is one of my sipping whiskeys. This is like my Tuesday whiskey, yep. right? I watch a basketball game. I'd sip some Long Branch. It's got the smoke. But it's also got the sweet, and I remember yeah. you wanted that because I read something where you said that you had said, "Daddy, can't we just put some sugar in there?" <laughs> I said, and he's like, "That's not how. Well, there are rules, man. Yeah. There I are said, rules." I said, "Could you throw a few stalks of sugar cane in there?" He's like, "Hell no, I can't." I go, "I know you can't, but." And what he did off of that comment was 
took it from a six-year barrel to an eight-year barrel. And the two extra years give that it that age. mellow, that more depth and that touch of that sweetness that I was looking for. And that's because the longer the, uh, obviously, the longer the bourbon is in the wood, the more it's taken out, the more of that woody goodness yep. that it's extracting it. that goes in. And what I also love about Long Branch is it's like $39.99 price points, bottle. It's a price great points killer. price yeah. point. And as Matthew touched on earlier, we've got, you know, Whiskey was a dead category, really, at the end of the 20th century. And then now it's come back with such a vengeance. I think there were about 50 distilleries at the turn of the century. Now it's about 1,700, right? So there's all the new kids on the block. There's all the fa- And I'm not knocking any of that. But there was a danger of a brand like Wild Turkey to sort of get relegated to, oh, that's your grandfather's whiskey. That's And here's mm-hmm. the thing. This is, first of all, the Russells, they're legends. Yep. Like, there is nobody anywhere in the world making that makes whiskey that is knows more than these guys and nobody i think it's great that what you're doing to sort of bring that awareness to a brand that is one of the most delicious whiskeys in the world that's it like i said we had to reintroduce but we also had to introduce to a new generation that didn't know about them they wanted real bourbon we were like well guess what We got it, and we got a lot of it, and we can get it to you. How do you drink? How do you like to drink your bourbon? Yeah, it matters time of day. Like like first one evening, I'll, I'll double rock it, but I end it into the end of the night neat. Yeah, neat into the night. Neat in the night. Do you do cocktails with whiskey? I don't. You don't. I like that, and that's especially with the Long Branch, and that's what I mean. Long Branch. It was about making my favorite bourbon that I like, and my whole goal was the one that I like neat. The one that I don't want to water down. The one that I don't want to cut it with anything. And that's where we came out with Long Branch. I was talking to Eddie earlier, and he says, yeah, he called me at some ungodly hour. <laughs> it was said, almost daylight. <laughs> and said, this is it. Yeah. This is the one. And he the goes, 88 and bottle. And he's going to tell you. He goes, it started at 44. And he goes, he's probably going to tell you a couple hundred times <laughs> yeah. that he had to try the it. 217 bottle. You it was know, 88. How did you know? Like, when, What was it about that one that you hit on that you went, this is it? Well, I happened to be in a great place, um, meaning I was celebrating my birthday in Uvalde, Texas, on the river where I learned to swim. And we were around a campfire, my wife and I with our kids. Um, they were roasting marshmallows and stuff. And I... I'd saved those four latest four pints, 80, 45, 86, 87, or 80, 86 through 88, um, to pull out that yeah. night. And it was, um, I don't know, 11.30 or so. And I pulled it out, and I had a sip of each one, and then I got to this one. And I went, ooh, that's it. But I kept my tongue in my mouth. I didn't tell my wife. I just kept it quiet. I was like, that's it. So then I mixed up the bottles, and I said, here, here try them. And she always tried them along the way, and she tried this one, and she, she goes, that's it. And I was like... That's the one I'm saying is it. That's, That's it. Amazing. So I knew it right then. And it was, yeah, I think it was about four hours later. And how after cool. After I made sure yeah, that, <laughs> that it. it was the one that I gave Eddie a call. Now, how cool was it for you? It, it, I think about it like when a movie opens. How cool was it for you when you got that first bottle and you op- you cracked open in the bottle with the packaging and went, that's the stuff I had on the river? Real cool. I mean, and that was, you know, I did a lot of work on the, the this, this bottle too. And if you talk about packaging obviously you got to have the product which we have the product but you want the packaging as well so it was very important to me that one if you look at this bottle who's the star the bourbon we i didn't want a big label to hide the beautiful color of this bourbon um look at the shoulders and hips on this bottle um it's a it's by for, for the eye test it's already a much higher price point bourbon than than we sell it for and then the good thing is once you open it up and drink it 
I think it's, it's still true. It should. It's, it's a much higher uh, price point bourbon than we offer. It, it is a delicious bourbon. I'm apparently. We gotta hit the road. We gotta go deliver some food. So I gotta yes, let Matthew get out of here. I want to thank you, man, for 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 doing this. And I and uh, you know, I know nobody's sitting here going, "We're gonna take bows for doing this," but it is important, man. And and I think someone like you who's able to raise the awareness. But anybody that's out there listening. You know, go to Operation Barbecue Relief. These guys are doing stuff all over the yep. country. They are helping people. They're feeding people. They're not not only just first responders, but also the Displaced less fortunate families. Yeah, as well. the less fortunate among us. They're doing that. And and I want to thank Matthew McConaughey and Wild Turkey for being involved in that. I appreciate you spending time with me, bro. My pleasure. Just keep Amen. living. Yeah, I know. Cheers, man. So I'm back here in Kentucky at the Wild Turkey Distillery, and I want to let you in on a little something. The folks here and I have created a new small batch bourbon, Wild Turkey Long Branch. Refined with Texas mesquite charcoal for smoky sweetness. It is my favorite bourbon on the planet. Wild Turkey Long Branch. Real bourbon, no apologies. I got to tell you, that was pretty cool to go from Neil Everett of SportsCenter, my opinion, the best personality on ESPN, right into an Academy Award winner, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, but you know what? I'm feeling generous today, my friends. I care about you. I do. So I'm going to sweeten the pot on this podcast a little bit more by offering up an additional, a third interview. That's right. Three for the price of none today's episode. And this interview is with the legendary master distiller of wild turkey, Eddie Russell, bourbon hall of famer. Um, Eddie was there when I did the interview with Matthew, but this interview is one that I did a couple, two months ago with Eddie in Kentucky. Those of you who listen to the show regularly know that I was at Bourbon and Beyond, and I got a lot of great stuff there. And this interview with Eddie uh, was a real treat to get to talk to him. The man knows whiskey. And if you want to know more about whiskey, check out this interview with Eddie Russell. So we're at Bourbon and Beyond, uh, where all of the, uh, there's so much bourbon here. There's bourbon everywhere, here, there, everywhere, bourbon. Um, but there aren't bourbon legends everywhere, uh, but there is one sitting in front of me right now. He is uh, a member uh, of the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of all those Hall of Fames. Whatever Hall of Fames exist to honor people who make bourbon, he's in it. And so is his dad. Eddie Russell, Wild Turkey. How are you, man? Good. How are you doing? Always great to see you, my friend, and thanks for taking the time to sit with us. You're out here. You're doing a. Uh, you're going to be doing a demo here at Bourbon, and you're pouring something special today, right? Well, pouring a little rare breed, something that Jimmy came up with back in the '90s when first started making bourbon a little more premium with barrel proofs and single barrels. So, something definitely dear to my heart because it's some of my dad's favorite. Yeah. And we've, uh, you, but then you've got you've got another new expression that you've got out that you came up with. Tell us a little bit about that. So I started a, a Masters Keep series, and it it sort of lets me do sort of trendy things. You know, for Wild Turkey, we don't do the trends according to my dad, so it gives me a chance to do things. So I did a rye 
and it's a really special ride. Most of our rides are just four to six years old and I aged this mainly for 11 years. Okay. It just turned out amazing. My son sort of prodded me to do it because he's the ride guy in our family, definitely. Uh, but it was just amazing to see the transformation from four to six years old to eight to 10 years old. And then at 11, I got worried it was going to start getting too dry because rye is sort of a dry grain to start with, and the barrel dries it out further. So I still kept a few barrels just for research, though, just to see if I could go a little older. Yeah, and you did it. So now what would be what would be the difference, I get the main difference in the flavor profile of, a, say, a, a four- to six-year-old rye and an 11-year-old rye? Well, the four- to six-year-old is going to be a little bolder in your face right up front where the, it gets a little older, gets a little smoother at the beginning, and then those rye flavors just explode in mid-palate and just hang with you. So it's the difference between getting that right up front and just sort of easing into it. Now, rye has become, uh, you know, rye was, was the drink in the States, especially back pre-Prohibition and all that. And then rye kind of went away yeah. for a while. Well, whiskey in general kind of went away for right. a while. And then, and then bourbon came back. And now rye is really kind of having its day. What, what would you attribute that to? Well, it's uh, young bartenders making the drinks when they first started bringing our industry back, and that's who I give it credit to is the the on-premise bartenders making the Manhattans and the old fashions. But when they really looked at the old classic drink list, it was made with rye because that was the original whiskey in America. So they started going to it. 2009, I think there was about 89,000 cases of rye sold, American rye in the world. Uh, last year was close to a million cases. You know, I used to make rye two days a year, bourbon 250 days, and rye two days. Now I'm making rye two or three days a month. What do you uh, What do you like to drink when you're home? Are you bourbon? You more bourbon? You lean more bourbon or, or rye? I do. I lean towards the bourbon as far as sipping on. I like my rye more in my cocktails. You know, makes a great Boulevardier, which is my favorite cocktail. But uh, normally I sip mainly on bourbon when I'm just. Sipping. How do you prepare your Boulevardier? Well, I do one and a half. One, one, one? No. No, one, okay. one and a half bourbon, one Campari, and one sweet vermouth. So just so you know when you're listening out there, that the drink that Eddie's talking about is uh, Boulevardier, which is a variation on a Negroni, and you know, Negronis are super popular now. I I do my Negroni one, 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 and when I say that, what I'm saying is equal parts of each of the three spirit components Eddie likes to go a little bit heavy on that, and I, I understand why. Yeah. Probably you're making it, right? Yeah, so, that's right. so you do one and a half, and then and then with one and one, yeah, one and one, yeah. um, which adds up to a half ounce more whiskey than I'm having in my Negroni. Right. Uh, <laughs> so, you uh, you got so many other things happening, and, and one of the things that you and I talked about off the air was I was just down in Austin, Texas, which is home to uh, one of your your partners now, one of the new guys uh, that's been helping uh, the, the cause to promote is uh, Matthew McConaughey, right. and you did a whiskey with him called Long Branch, yes, which I think is just a great, really accessible whiskey. It's at, what, about $40 a bottle, yeah. right? It's a yeah. great price point, and you're doing something different there with the filtration with that one. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's probably the hardest thing I've done in my 38 years because several reasons. It always just what I liked or my dad liked. You know, this one I was sort of using Matthew as a taster, basically, so I do things. First time I ever charcoal filtered. Uh, I don't think nobody ever used mesquite wood as their char to filter with. So, But it turned out exactly what I was looking for. It's an eight-year-old bourbon, so it talks right to wild turkey. 
but it is it's a very approachable bourbon it's nice easy drinker still has that wild turkey dna on the very back but a very smooth easy drinking whiskey now when you when you talk about charcoal filtration so everybody understands out there you're making the charcoal with mesquite wood what what does jack daniels make their charcoal with so they use maple wood but there is a big difference um, doing it before they put it in the barrel what Jack Daniels does where I'm doing it after it's aged so it be a straight bourbon whiskey you could always charcoal filter at the end but I did worry about it a little bit because when I started people that charcoal filtered was basically taking some bad things out of their whiskey because the charcoal will it'll take a lot of the stringent notes out uh, but what I wanted with that mesquite because I think of the brisket was a little smoke and a little citrus flavor, and I think it brought it to it. And would you say, I, you know, I remember I had a very brief conversation with Matthew out in L.A., and he said it's a good, it's a good food whiskey. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think it pairs good with food. Of course, I think most bourbons do, but you know, the little citrusy taste, the little smoky taste, pairs with a lot of things. So. The, the brand now, like we, we talked about earlier, that you've got, you're getting to play around, you're getting to experiment, you're getting, is that is that a, is something that just is born out of a desire for you to do that? Or is also, the, there's got to be some industry pressure because there's people doing so much now. Uh, is there any, I mean, you guys are obviously an iconic brand, okay? Right. And I'm not suggesting that you're trying to keep up with the new kids on the block, but in a way, when you're seeing all these newer brands doing this stuff, is that drive you a little bit? You think, hey, I, I want to do some of that myself. Well, I think so. I think, you know, Harlan Wheatley with Buffalo Trace was the first person that got to do a lot of experimental stuff. And that's what sort of built that brand. Wild Turkey's known for not changing anything, according to Jimmy Russell. But, you know, doing the things with my Master's Keep series where I can do some barrel finishes, I can do some straight rides that are old, different things like that. That's what, you know, that's what I use that for. And it's just part of being a distiller. You want to see what boundaries you can go to. Not everything I try hits the market. You know, it's got to be something I'm really proud of. But it does give you a chance to, you know, you had bourbon and you basically had one brand. Now I'm taking that one recipe and that one yeast and doing different things with it in small amounts, you know, and that's what it's about for me. You have been at this now. You've been a, you've been a distiller for forty years. Thirty eight, little thirty eight, little over thirty eight years. You, as I mentioned earlier, you're in pretty much every Hall of Fame that exists in the uh, in the uh, bourbon industry. What keeps you interested now? What keeps you going after all these years? Well, I think it's something that I seen when I. I mean, I didn't grow up thinking I was going to work there, but within two weeks, it was just the love and passion for it. You see that in my son, you know, you see that in my niece. They didn't grow up really thinking they were going to work there, but they started tour guiding for us. And I think that was the biggest shock to my son was how much passion that me and my father have for what we do. You know, he's 65 years in, still coming in two or three days Jimmy Russell we're talking about. Jimmy, <laughs> Jimmy, I think it's Jimmy and, uh, and David Stewart from the Balveni are the two uh, longest-serving master distillers in the world. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jimmy's the, definitely the oldest. Jimmy's the oldest. And yeah. then, now you, uh, you, uh, you were talking about keeping you interested. Another thing that I find amazing, Eddie, is is how much Louisville and this area and then Bardstown and all that 
just the boom in whiskey and what it's doing to this area. I think, what was it, like 10, 12 years ago, there were no distilleries in the downtown Louisville area. Now, what's there, like 14 of them now yeah. going down? Yeah. And uh, do you guys have one going down there, too? We do not. You do, do not, not. But no. everybody's putting them in, and then all these visitor centers are expanding. Is it? How do you feel about that? Because you, let's face it, Wild Turkey's one of the brands that's the cornerstones of this industry. Yeah, I think it's pretty amazing. I mean, to see what's going on. It's not only made Louisville and its city because you've got great chefs, it's chefs that's moved in with Ed Lee and all those people. But even my little hometown, my, I live in Lawrenceburg, Kentucky, a town of ten thousand. My main street had basically closed down. Now there's two or three nice restaurants. There's a couple of bourbon shops there. So this bourbon trail and what's booming in this bourbon industry has changed a lot of things. You got anything else coming down the pike? You can give us a little teaser about any anything that you said. You're trying some stuff. Not everything goes through. That's right. I'm working on my uh, next master's keep now. You know, I got to be about a year and a half to two years out on those type things because... I, it takes me a while. I, I keep fooling with the liquid till I think I get it right. Uh, something that I'm really excited about probably will be the next release is I'm probably going to do a barrel-proof rye. A barrel-proof rye. Yeah. Well, I I look forward to trying that, my friend. And I know you got to run. You got to go. Uh, oh wait a minute. Hold on a second. I see somebody carrying a bottle, and I'm really hoping that that's wild turkey, because I'd like to have a, a drink with you. If that's oh, I it. think that is. That, that is what well, we can't let you go. Coming down I the cannot road. let you go, and I can't quit you. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna try a little bit of this rare breed, and then I'm gonna let you go do your thing. All right. We just need a couple of glasses here. Uh, meanwhile, while we look for those glasses, uh, you, you mentioned uh, a couple of times. Uh, uh, your your son Bruce. Right. Now Bruce isn't distilling. Bruce is kind of working more on the marketing end. Still, well, or? as of this year, he came moved back to Kentucky from Austin, Texas, and he's been at the distillery all this year. So he is. He's wanting to become the next distiller down the road. So had him in the wire. Uh, the distillery have had him in the warehouse. I want him to work through all every phase of it. So he'll do that at least through this year. Probably get him back out on the road a little next year. Because okay. uh, he fits right in the people that are growing. Uh, so he's definitely, he's got a lot of Jimmy Russell on him. So I look forward to it. He can tell a story that Bruce, I when I, the former podcast, which you were on too, Drinky Fun Time, a great time with you. But uh, Bruce was one of our very first guests on Drinky Fun Time. And for a young guy, how old's Bruce? He's 30 now. 30. So this month, this had been two, three years ago, we had him on. And for such a young guy, I, I was really taken aback at just how much knowledge he had in his head and uh, oh here we, yeah. why did they do that okay let's yeah <laughs> let's do that yeah and then uh, we got two glasses we got two glasses with another whiskey in it but well that's okay we'll do it with, here you want to pour it there we go sure and uh, don't get too all right here we go this is the wild turkey rare breed can you tell us a tiny bit about this right before we sip it yeah, so Rare Breed started in 1991, and Jimmy and Booker know best friends. Booker just come out with Booker, so Jimmy wanted to release a barrel-proof bourbon. He did a 6, 8, and 12-year-old combination. Uh, 6 is about as young as my dad likes it. 8 years old is what he believed was perfect, and 12 is about as old as he likes it. So when I started doing this one, it was like, you better do this one right, because this is pure Jimmy Russell, but... 
you know, it's a big bow whiskey, but has a lots of different layers to it. You'll pick up baking spices. You'll pick up some of that cocoa in there. Definitely vanilla and caramel, which is a wild turkey trademark. So you'll get a lot of different flavors, but a big bow whiskey at the end. Well, I'm really thirsty right now, and Eddie, I want to cheers you and thank you cheers. for coming on. Let me take a little sip of this. This batch is one. <laughs> this batch is one sixteen point eight. And I just felt every 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 one of those numbers. I just felt that is delicious stuff. Eddie Russell, Wild Turkey. We're at Bourbon and Beyond. He's got to go entertain the masses and teach people about some bourbon. But thank you for spending a little time with us, my friend. It's always great to see you. Good seeing you. Thanks for everything. All right, Eddie. Talk to you later. Cheers. All right. All right. All right. You said it, Matthew McConaughey. Eddie Russell. Man, I feel smarter. I just feel smarter today, having gotten to talk to these three gentlemen. And I want to thank them. Neil Everett for coming on the show. SportsCenter, you catch him every night on SportsCenter on ESPN. Matthew McConaughey, I mean, you know, come on. You can catch him in about 100 different movies. He's on the TV commercials. He's out doing good work with firefighters and first responders, as is Eddie Russell of Wild Turkey. I don't know what else to do here. I think we just kind of have to check it out. I mean, or check out. And thank you for joining me next week on the show. I think we're going to have some chefs on, you might know. Michael Voltaggio, Ed Lee, Adam Sobel. These are big name chefs. Going to be right here with us on What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn.